My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Grassroots, a unique rugby podcast focused on the women's grassroots game. In this dodgy clear out of an episode, we talk rugby Valentine's Day. Sherry outlines her perfect date with Jamie Roberts and Jodie introduces a new section to the podcast. No Molly and Laura this week, but we welcome the brilliant Caroline from Bonas in Scotland to hear about how they are developing one of the most grassroots clubs out there. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Don't lose. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So that was a game yesterday? It was good, yes. Very tense. The score didn't reflect how hard we worked, honestly. It was 5.31 in the end to sail. Sail 18.61. Tough battle. Defence was great and they had just a few couple of intercepts. Intercepts? Man, that's a dirty way of winning, intercept. They're number 10, I think, is the one here. Hold on. We didn't used to say that when we did that. <laughs> so, no. you know, fair's fair. <laughs> fair's fair. I heard they bought like their own cameraman and had special like massage parlors. They set up their physio table in our showers, so we're all naked. We need to get a shower, and the physio is taking down the table. Yeah, bought their own stretcher, like proper professional. We're like, all right. Is it one of those electric stretchers with the little remote control? It just wheels on the pitch and carts off the bodies. No, not so much. Right, uh, carts off the bodies. Wow. Professional outfit. They didn't play their music <laughs> to every time they scored a try, did they? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, because when we go to them, they always play uh, Sail Away, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have the facilities to uh, accommodate music. Pro team. Proper grassroots crew are. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. Hey, I should put myself forward for a uh, stupid ref today. Christian plays the under-12s, right? They had a match yesterday against Oswald Street at home. Got a message in the week from Nick, director of Rugby Kennedy, saying, oh, by the way, you're in charge on Sunday. I'm away. So's Adam, the other coach, and so's Matt, the third coach. Can you uh, take over and look after it? I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I got there. As I was getting out of the car, I thought, hang on a minute. Who's going to referee today? So I messaged other coaches, like, who's going to referee today? I've never done it before. I'm also recovering from major surgery, life-threatening <gasps> surgery. Oh, God, I swear to God, if you mention your surgery one more time, we're going to have a mutiny. We'll kick you off this pod. Me and Luke can edit the whole podcast ourselves. I'm sure we can figure it out. Uh, good luck with that. You regret it. <laughs> uh, Jodie, no, we can't. We need Matt. <laughs> yeah. So I got there and I asked the other coach and he's like, no, I'm not reffing. So I said to Arla, I said, look, I'll do it for a half. I've never done it before. I don't have any clue what I'm doing. I'll give it a go. If at halftime it's an absolute car crash, then can somebody else take over? They're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. First half passed off without too much incident. It's a couple of dodgy calls on my part. I forgot the rules at one point. It's amazing how angry 12-year-olds can get when you get something wrong in a refereeing call. There's a few accusations of skullduggery. I never saw anything. Skullduggery? Yeah. I know. It's under 12s at Crew and Nantwich, not the bloody Middle Ages. <laughs> no, honestly, they were like squawking at me. So-and-so swore at me, so-and-so kicked me. Anyway... Fast forward to the last 10 minutes. So we've been losing three tries to one and we managed to claw ourselves back into the game with a bit of good play and there's a, one of our players was doing very well. And we managed to get a try ahead 
as this guy was running down the touchline to score, this lad ran across to tackle him and basically got owned. Anyway, try to score. I did my ref thing. Their coach went onto the pitch. Next thing I know, all hell's broken loose. The uh, the opposition coach was claiming that one of our spectators was laughing at this kid for getting injured. And I was I didn't see it, I didn't hear it. There was only a couple of people on the touchline at that particular place. Everyone was like literally kicking off. All these 12-year-old kids were just going bananas. Next thing I know, this lad's dad comes storming over, threatening to fill somebody in. I had to blow up for time 10 minutes early because honestly, it was about to be a fight. Two Crazy. A couple of 12-year-olds. Like a... It went from being like a nice Sunday afternoon to Game of Thrones all of a sudden. It's like Hunger Games. <laughs> Hunger Games in the mud of Crew and Nantwich. It was ridiculous. I had to call the uh, director of rugby this afternoon and uh, give him my side of the story before the RFU get involved, which they probably will. Oh, my God. Any updates on your physio, Lou? So on Monday, I went to an ACL rehab class at the hospital with my physio, Adam, and, yeah, did some pretty tough exercises and last Monday was a development team training session and it was on AstroTurf. I said to my physio, oh yeah there's a um, rugby session on Astro, what do you think? <laughs> he basically just said no, there we go, it's not happening yet. I, was like, I don't remember you seeing me there, I was like oh. No I wasn't there. Also the ACL rehab class was really fucking solid and my legs were like jelly afterwards. So. Like Joyce after a night in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I made Molly do some of the exercises when we were down the pub at the weekend and uh, she couldn't do them. That's how solid they were. Bad times. Mm, bad times, yeah. Yeah, and also, possibly thanks to the pod, everyone I see who's vaguely rugby related. Oh, when you're coming back to rugby, Lou? <laughs> yeah. Oh, when are you coming back? I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I get that a lot. People start asking me questions to do with the podcast. I'm like, when did I tell you that? So I heard it on a podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I sort of forget that it's not just us three, us four, us five that listen to each other. And like it goes out to other people, and then they remember stuff. No, exactly. As soon as I've said it, that's it. It's gone out of my head. And then I forget. People at work are listening to the pods. And then, hi, Lou. <laughs> no, what? What now? <laughs> what, what have you listened to that I've just said on the pod? Oh, God. <laughs> it is kind of weird, isn't it? That all up and down the country, people listen. And we say stuff as if it's just, we were just in all of the room together over a pint, forgetting that thousands of people could potentially tune in and listen. Yeah, and they've heard me say poo in a pocket, Jeremy Beadle wanking claw, and all sorts. I mean, yeah, great. Do your street cred, no world of good there, Lou. <laughs> yeah, I know. Brilliant. <laughs> Speaking of which, anyway, we had a, a random message, actually. A very nice message from, from Leanne Grave up at Keswick Falcons up, up in Cumbria, who have been listening to the podcast, and they've set up a women's team recently. And they've been doing a bit of training, getting ready to start playing. In fact, their very first game is on the 20th of February coming up. So Sue Adiman and Leanne Grave have asked us to give them a quick shout out. And also, they've got some pretty cool mascots. So they're called the Keswick Falcons, and they've got a couple of little toy birds of prey that call them their mascots. So they've named them Fanny and Foof, which <laughs> Brilliant. I'd say is very appropriate for a women's rugby team. Very grassroots as well. Very grassroots. So Sue and Leanne, thanks so much for getting in touch. Thanks for listening. And all the best for that first game on the 20th of February. We'll be looking out for the results. Hope you do well. Best of luck. Hope the Cumbrian weather doesn't let you down. Probably will, but good luck anyway. So, yeah, give us a shout when you've played the game and let us know how you get on. Also, big thanks to those people out there who've donated to our little fundraiser on, on coffee. 
or Ko-Fi, whatever it's called. Genuinely overwhelmed by the number of comments and the donations that we've had from people. Didn't expect it at all. People have said some brilliant, really nice things. And obviously the money that you're putting in is helping us to develop the podcast. In fact, we might even be able to afford a, a new microphone for Jodie soon so we can actually <laughs> hear what she says sometimes. Which Isn't would be that nice. bad? Okay, no. closer. Is that better? better is that yeah. too weird? It ruins the camera though, doesn't it? No, well, I can just... Can you just move it a bit away from your mouth? I'll hold it. There you go. So thanks. That's really generous of you that have been donating. All going to help us develop the podcast and yeah, keep it coming in. Also on that, if you are enjoying the podcast, please get in touch. It's lovely to hear from people. Let us know what you want to hear more of. Let us know what you are enjoying at the minute. Or if you want to hear Sherry explain something that you don't quite understand she can do it in her way yeah like the bongella where the hell did that come from get in touch get in touch the more feedback we have from people the more we can tailor our shit chat to your needs yeah we enjoy doing this just for the fun of it but we also do it for you lot too so anyway this episode will be coming out on valentine's day so i thought it'd be an interesting mini discussion to see what the perfect rugby valentine's day might be jody it's Valentine's Day. You know, I know you celebrate that. I know it's a big deal for you with all the posts arriving and the flowers just being delivered by the lorry load. All these people coming out the woodwork declaring their love for you. But what would be the perfect rugby theme Valentine's Day for you? Turns out day it's on, I guess. So it's a Monday this time around, isn't it? Monday. Monday the fourteenth. Oh, is it the fourteenth? Ah, same as last year. <laughs> I'm not a romantic person. I commit to Valentine's Day because usually my partner's like it and I feel like I have to. And if I don't get something, I get death stares. Like, oh. So I'm very much the male in a relationship and I can't be bothered with the, the lovey-dovey stuff of it. Until this year. <gasps> I'm still the masculine one, the butch one. The <laughs> <laughs> my perfect Valentine's rugby date would be spending it with my partner at the time. Uh, watching a bit of rugby, having some chocolate. It's not really rugby themed, I guess. No. I don't think Valentine's Day and rugby really go together at all in any way, shape or form. They don't really. Although I quite like to get a rugby themed present on Valentine's Day. If somebody bought me, I don't know, a new sales shirt or something for Valentine's Day, I'd appreciate that a lot more than I might. I did get a um, chocolate shaped rugby ball with my name on for Christmas a couple of years back. So that for nice. Valentine's Day would be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, not a bad idea. Let's not forget that Valentine's Day this year is on a Monday. So for a lot of women who've been playing on the Sunday, Monday Valentine's sex is just not going to be a thing, is it? It's just going to be a very painful It's going to be a full paracetamol job, isn't it? It's quite <laughs> At least four paracetamols, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't get over that, honestly. I listened to that. My mouth was hanging the whole episode of Shed Says that. It's getting wider and wider. That's, that's true. It's going to be rugby bus territory, isn't it? Coming off the pitch on the Sunday, if I were you, actually, I'd probably call Valentine's Day a day earlier. I'd have it on the Saturday. Yeah. Get I'm it out of the way. Saturday. Two days earlier, yeah. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. It's meant to be a nice day. <laughs> actually, fuck that. It's going to be a shit day, isn't it? Cause it's Monday. No one likes Mondays for a start because you wish it was still Sunday and you're having to sit at work. And no one loves and you. And... sorry (laughs) yeah I love you Lou should we spend it together should we go on a date on Monday me you and Joe. I'll be going on a date with Grace you and me and Grace in a mum and daughter way let's go let's go on a date 
just me, you and Grace. Yeah. Yeah, three, three. Yeah. That's cute. You know, in the restaurants when they bring roses round and say, you know, do you want to buy your girlfriend a rose? I just like to buy one just for a random table. <laughs> like having a romantic dinner and just like, you know, just buy one for that girl sat over there in the corner with her boyfriend and just do that. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. The problem is with Valentine's Day, surely like, because I don't really go out on Valentine's Day anymore, but you're under so much pressure for it to be special and romantic, then the opposite's likely to happen, isn't it? Yeah, I don't remember what I do for Valentine's Day in the last few years. I don't think I've done anything. I remember I had a first date on Valentine's Day once. It was just the way it fell. It was just like we were both free that day, so on a date. Do you go down the um, the Mega Bowl in Stoke again? No, we went for food in Chester. Which wasn't great because everyone else was sitting there. Well, did we have food? No, we just went and drinks, actually. Everyone else was sitting there on their Valentine's Day meals, all romantic, got the candles out. We're like, yeah, I can't really finish that story. Why? It went well. This is Caroline from Bonus Rugby Club, which is north of the border up in Scotland. So she's joined us on the podcast today to talk to us a little bit about her club and also her journey into rugby. It's a very new journey, Caroline, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. I am a, a complete novice. I think the best place to start, Caroline, is tell us a little bit about Bonus. Wow, well, there's so much to say. So Bonus as a rugby club is really new. We only started 10 years ago. It was actually my partner used to play rugby as a young boy at school and was something he was really interested in. Anyway, one of those things in the pub where it's like, let's start a team, let's get together. And Bonus is kind of sandwiched in between quite well-established rugby clubs. There is a lot of places that people could go and play. However, we are a small, really community-orientated town. After trying to search out for advice from the SRU and different places, it was like, well, no, you could just be a seconds for another team. And actually, it was like, no, hold on a minute. We're going we're gonna to do it for ourselves here. So the long and short is it's been 10 years of struggling to survive but you know what we are here now we rent our pitch we don't have a clubhouse but we've got porter cabins we've, we've managed to fundraise for our own goals and the pitch and a fence and now we now have a, a youth section we have a really new women's team and we're here to stay it's purely because of the passion of the people that are involved in it and that's why we are where we are Wow, that's I've never heard of a team starting up that recently before. There's a few that are relatively newly established in the last maybe 30 years or something, but one that's grown from nothing to where you are in just 10 years, that, that's some going, isn't it? It is, and it's hard because it's hard to start something from nothing. And Bonus generally is a really football-orientated town. Bonus in general is a town that people live here, generations stay here. That's kind of how it works. It's Like I said, it's really community-orientated, but it's hard to reach out and go, wait a minute, what about rugby? Try rugby. And actually, we have managed to work with the local council and lots of other areas, and we now have rugby on the curriculum We've got five primary schools in Bonus and an academy, a high school, and we now have a development officer who is in every school and introduces rugby to the young people. And hopefully, I think in the long term, the goal is that we can then give people that kind of rugby appetite and, and they will feed into the team and we'll, we'll actually build something for generations. Wow, that sounds like a lot of hard work, but I can tell just by the tone in your voice, it's something you're very passionate about. Now, where is Bonus? It's not somewhere I've ever been. Bonus is right in the central belt of Scotland. So we are in between Edinburgh and Glasgow. So it's probably not somewhere that a lot of people would come. However, we have a really famous steam railway. Everybody seems to go, yes, we've been to that. <laughs> um, 
it's an old coal mine in town. So, and like I said, it's a really community orientated place. So you mentioned about it being a bit more football than rugby. That's quite common in where I'm from as well, in up in South Cheshire. How do you attract people into rugby away from football? It's a hard one. Do you know, so my partner is called Adam and, and him and his friends kind of got together and, and started building the team. And it was all people that they used to know or they used to play with or that kind of stuff. And then that's how it kind of built along. And then as we started to get a bit more successful, I guess, to try and build something, we have people from all over that actually come to join Bonace. I think it's because of what the team is about and it's just the love of rugby genuinely and and I think people want to be part of that they want to be part of that little family that we've now built and since we've had a youth section so our youth section's five years old this year and since we've had that and we're we're getting the kids along and you kind of get people through that it's all word of mouth it's been really hard and we've had so many ups and downs I mean if we had all the people that we've had in the team remain in the team the team would be huge but the thing is people get a passion for rugby and sometimes bonus doesn't have the opportunities that these players actually at that time they want to do so they got opportunities to play for other teams and then we move on and then we have to kind of start again there's there's been so many ups and downs that way and trying to have everybody in a role and make sure that we've got the coaches and this that and the other but it's definitely it's been word of mouth and lots of hard graft it's saying there is a rugby club we're here come along join it just give it a go sounds like there's a lot of really good people involved in the setting up of it how important do you think that has been for the success of where you are today vital there's been a lot of people in the beginning there was a lot of people involved and everybody had the drive to to make something happen but i think when you're setting up a club there's a lot of um, procedures and things and and it was just like you say it was trying to find the right people there was a loads of teething problems like you know this needs to be done that needs to be done we need to get this sorted and I think eventually people have been attracted into the club and they've had so much to give so we just had a new vote so we've just got a new president but previous to that we had a female uh, her name was Wendy Clydesdale and she was our president and you know and it was the first time we'd had a woman in that role and she was amazing but now it's actually my partner, Adam. He's kind of president now. And I'm the first lady, first lady of Bonus. Very excited about that. But yeah, I think it's vital to have people in the role who actually care and have the knowledge and work hard to make things happen. I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the big challenges that all clubs face, and in fact, all volunteer organisations face, is that having people that want to do it is one thing, and that's hard enough. Having people that actually have the skills to do something can be something entirely different. Definitely, but I think the way that bonus works is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, and that's kind of where we're at. And it only only works because the people who are involved are a big family and they care and they and they want to move forward. You know, getting into the schools and and building that legacy that's huge, and it's all volunteers. That's how it works, but it's because people care. Bonus started a, a women's fitness team and it's become really successful but it it literally is only months old and we meet on a Tuesday (laughs) a Tuesday night and I've never ever been part of a a team like that I've always been part of bonus rugby but I was on the sidelines I was I was helping out I was doing whatever it took to kind of be involved but in terms of knowing what rugby was about didn't really have a clue (laughs) is rugby a sport that you follow in your personal life outside of the club my family were into rugby when we were younger so we used to go to murrayfield and it would be a big day out but 
you know, you kind of get caught up in the crowd. I didn't really understand what was happening, but I knew what the main goal was. Usually England were winning is what's usually happening. Yeah, exactly. Get the ball over the line. Get them down! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But didn't really know much about the technicalities of it. I've got three boys. They wanted to get involved. So you go along and I think as a parent, you do whatever you can to make sure that these opportunities in your town happen. So Absolutely. Like I volunteered and and actually it was my partner. He was like, look, you should go on the coaching course. So I did. So I went on a UKCC level one coaching course. I felt like the only person in the room at that course who genuinely didn't really have rugby knowledge. Everyone else was rugby players. So it was hard because I think these things are advertised so that everybody can go along and successful because these clubs need volunteers. But actually it's really intimidating because they're talking about stuff that I I don't actually understand that. I know how to work with young people. I've got the passion to do it, but you just need to take a bit more time to explain what that means. It's interesting you you talk about it being intimidating because the one thing that people don't talk about much within the coaching community, and this is definitely true of when you go through your, your certification, I'm sure it's the same in Scotland as it is down here, is how competitive coaching can feel. You often find that there's, within the game, a kind of unwritten hierarchy about who's the best coach and who isn't you definitely feel when you're going through your certification that those players have maybe played at a high level or maybe have been involved in bigger clubs and so on are kind of higher up the pecking order than those that may be relatively new to the game or from more junior clubs or maybe haven't got the playing pedigree and that can feel like quite a big barrier I think for coaches going into the game I think that's even more pronounced for women my background is not in sport at all. In fact, when I was at school, PE was the one subject that I would try my best to get out of. We had a really old school PE department. It was all men. It just wasn't what I was into. But then my career was in dance. So I left school, went down to London, studied dance. Like that was my thing. So movement is a really big thing for me. Having And having children and understanding how movement, any sort of movement helps with development and all that kind of stuff. So I always felt that when I went along to coach the or to help out or whatever with the youth section, that what I had to say was not as valid as somebody else who was a rugby player. But actually what I've learned is I took all the stuff that we learned in the in the coaching about like hinge movements and things that we need to do to prepare because predominantly I work with age uh, primary one to three. So that's like up to the age of maybe seven seven or eight so I've done it from a really literal sense so I understand what the skills are that these young people need to learn but I've totally involved lots of like fun games and and lots of movement and galloping and it's fun but actually the kids really buy into that they're learning loads but it's a maybe a different way of going about it from somebody who rugby 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 this this is my I know what they need to get to and this is what we're learning I've learned that actually that is okay that's hugely valid and I can bring a lot to that team as well even though I don't have the rugby background that everyone else does rugby is a process like most sports I think when you learn that process you can coach um, and you can play to some degree I think what takes years to learn the nuances the language that comes alongside it and the various different terms that are used for different game scenarios and all of that and that's just a case of immersion I mean it's it's not difficult stuff a lot of the time so you've got a women's fitness section at the minute a lot of teams start that way with tag rugby and and fitness-based activities what's a longer term game a goal is for bonus to have a women's team but I think bonus is doing really well to take their time with that because the team is 
not only about the knowledge, but it's building up relationships and learning to work together and confidence. The women that come along to our women's fitness are all ages, sizes, ability levels, fitness levels. And so I think ultimately it's helping those women believe in themselves at first. I think many of them would have been like, fuck it, never, that is not for me. But actually the way that our sessions are all mixed together and, and we have a, a mix of skill, a mix of stamina, a mix of fitness, like it's all together, but it's fun and everyone leaves buzzing. Like I said to you, Matt, we are only a few months into this. So like you need to take our time here, but also, you know, move forward. And I think to be able to play for bonus and do ourselves justice and just that would be amazing. And I think that would be the goal, but I've, I've no idea how long that will take. But we'll get there. The team will evolve. And what you'll find is that there'll come a point where you need a goal in the future other than just training next week. Yeah. Uh, and that goal can be anything from a touch tournament through to a starting contact training or something like that. That generally will galvanize the group around you around a plan of some description. The big challenge you'll face is that you'll find a lot of female players don't see themselves as rugby players. And they think that rugby's for somebody else, not me. They'll see themselves as being too big, too small, too scared of contact, too shy or whatever the, the language is. So they will talk themselves out of trying it. That can be really hard to overcome. I'm one of those people, Matt, definitely. Right. The fear, because there's been a couple of events. Some of the other women did go, but I, like, I was definitely one of those women that was like, oh no, I'm not, I'm scared. I don't feel like I know enough. And I think that that's where, you know, I'm at. But Again, if it's just that whole building confidence in yourself and giving it a try and actually realising that I'm probably a lot more competitive than I ever thought I was. And so when we are training and we're playing touch or all these different drills and games and stuff, you get right into it and everybody gets fired up by each other. It's the most supportive environment, and but it's completely unexpected. So... Yeah, we do need a goal and I'm sure our coaches have those goals for us. But I think it's about finding that balance of not pushing it too fast. Everyone needs to be ready. Yeah, like I said to you, we'll, we'll mm. get there, Matt. You'll see us. Yeah, yes, looking forward to it. You mentioned something there that was quite interesting to me, which you said it was unexpected. What do you feel has been the most unexpected thing that you've seen with uh, this venture? With the women's team, it was only let's get women together a lot of it is mums of our youth section or wives of the, the actual playing team and some new people from the community that have kind of come along. And I think it was unexpected that, one, we really enjoyed it. Two, we can do this. And three, that it felt like a team really quick. We have that obligatory WhatsApp chat, but it feels like, you know, everyone's really supportive. And also that we wanted to learn more. Maybe I'm just talking for myself, but... Like, I just went along because I wanted to be fitter and I saw what my boys were doing or my partner was doing with the team and I thought, you know, I, I want a bit of that. Like, I, I want to get involved in that. I want to be part of that. And I was really surprised that actually that happened so quickly. From your perspective then, Caroline, what's it done for you? If you think about what Boness and what the, the game itself has, has done to you personally? It's given me a whole new sense of 
direction. I, like, I'm so glad to be involved in rugby. I think that I've been involved in rugby since this team started, but it's always been on, on the sidelines. I've always been supporting someone else's journey. But now I'm getting involved myself and I'm building my own steps when it comes to rugby. It's just made me feel... I get excited about a Tuesday night. <laughs> I'm going to I want to get better and I didn't know that I had that and I want to push myself on the outside of that. Rugby has been a massive part for, for our family. As I said, my partner, Adam, is now the president of the club. He was one of the founding members. And my three boys go to training and love it. It's not just about building something for our community and, and leaving a legacy for however long behind. It's something that we all do together as a family. It feels great. So one of the things that we celebrate on our podcast uh, are all the really rubbish things that go on in clubs. Looking at Boness, what do you say are the most grassroots aspects of what you're doing at the moment? We have nothing. Like We are the underdogs all the time. People are coming along to try rugby and they've never played before, ever. They've been in the team for maybe three weeks and then the, there's the first game. So they're like, they're trying, like on the men's point of view, they, they really have to communicate with each other to try and get each other through. I genuinely don't think that you could get any more grassroots than what we are. We hire our pits from our local council, but like there's such poor drainage. We need to try and go down there and we need to try and make sure it's ready, playable all the time. There's always lots of things going on in the background. There's just like, we've got no changing facilities. We have to use a local sports centre. Obviously, COVID has really put the spanner in the works in that one. There's just so many times that that <laughs> has been a nightmare game day has been a nightmare who takes the strips to the laundrette like oh no somebody's forgot <laughs> to pick them up like but we get there and I think that's what makes it so so good we don't have a clubhouse so where do we invite the other team to so we've got a kind of local hotel but you know it's just who's organizing it. there's just it's all those things we've got so many amazing stories of young people or young adults who have had difficulties at school or, or learn difficulties or people that come from really rough backgrounds or it's a whole mix of where people are in their life but when we come together like you know, it seems to work. But yeah, honestly, uh, you some of the stuff that goes on is just, I'm sure it's the same in every club, but I don't know, I've never been in any club. But yeah, it takes everybody to make it happen. Because we, we've only got this pitch, it's like, what happens in winter training? Like, it's dark now. So we had to fundraise for, we're trying to do all this whole other stuff for getting lights and, and then, but sometimes we use these, we've got these kind of big lights, but they're battery operated. So it's like, oh no, somebody forgot to take that home and charge it. It's just, it's all those funny things that happen. So we call ourselves the Rhinos. We are the Bonus Rhinos. Where did that name come from? I actually don't know why the history of the Rhinos comes about. I'm going to really disappoint you there. But, um, you know, that is what we are. So our youth section is many Rhinos and our adults are the Rhinos team. And we always do a big, who are we? The Rhinos! And everyone loves it. Yeah, but it's just trying to trying to build all of that and all the time it takes on social media. And they've got a really good team in terms of, like, they always love to do funny things and interviews. And we support uh, Doddy uh, and his fundraising for MND so we walked I say we I had the flag at the end point so it wasn't me but you just took all the glory at the end Caroline yeah walked from Murrayfield back to our hometown we're quite near a, a big tourist attraction called the Kelpies and that there's a pond there so they did the pedalos because they were trying to climb I'm going to say Mount Everest but maybe I got that wrong Ben Nevis 
Ben Nevis, that's it, Ben Nevis. You're only a few thousand miles out. Right, so so Ben Nevis. But, like, obviously during COVID that couldn't happen, so it was like, what do we do? Right, we'll we'll walk the distance of all the national stadiums. And so there was lots of funny, funny things happening. Um, But that's what the club is about. It's not just the playing on the pitch. It's about everybody getting involved and doing all these crazy, crazy events and, you know, and getting involved in that. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. If somebody's listening to this from the area and thinks, you know what, that sounds fun, but it's not for me, how would you talk them into it? That is who I was. I definitely was that person that was like, mm, rugby is su- it looks such a rough physical sport when you know nothing about it, you just watch it on the TV. But actually, there is so much more. It feels great. You can do it. Like You just need to just get out the door, get in the car, come to the training, and you'll see that actually... It feels good. It'll give you confidence and you should just do it. Come along. Caroline, love chatting to you today. Found it really interesting hearing a perspective, not just from a, a club that's up in Scotland, but also where you're at on your journey. You're the youngest club I've spoken to. I've been involved in building clubs in the past, normally where something's gone wrong and they've fallen apart. But to do something really where there's nothing preceding it uh, is really interesting to hear about and obviously admirable and great credit to the to the work of the team around you up in Bowness. I think you've got a bright future ahead of you. I'm certainly very interested to see how you progress and I'm sure there'll be a point in the future where you have your first contact game and it'd be great to see when that is and, and <laughs> get a report back from accident and emergency in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> I think this year, Valentine's Day, there's got to be some massaging on in there somewhere, hasn't there? If you come off the rugby pitch on Sunday... You're beaten to hell. I do love a massage. A trip to see Pim and Pam would be a good present. Um, no. Not according to Sherry. In fact, Sherry would be totally against that as a present. I think she's just soft. I think actually, for most normal people, it's probably quite a good experience. Might well put your money where your mouth is, Matt. Oh, she buys a Valentine's Day present. Get me a trip to Pim and Pam. Pim but and Pam special. It's had major surgery recently. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I might have to wait a few weeks. So I get sign-off from the doctor. Oh, sign-off for what? For being manipulated by some four-foot-nine Vietnamese people. <laughs> Not sure you ever quite get vigorous. sign-off for that. Please, doctor, can I have a sick note? <laughs> He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. <laughs> I, the rock. I, the river. I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how far cat is. it working now? It'll no. do. It's fine. <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is. If you can hear me, what is wrong? Done nothing it's just different. the quality of the sound is significantly better when you do it through the headset compared to through the computer mic. That's I mean, why. you could just say it through the computer and wear the headset for effect if you Maybe want. Maybe the microphone's broken. We can't hear a word you're saying. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> we have come a long way since we started recording, Shez says, though, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I sign in every with. week now. Yeah, I mean, you could get in to the recording at least now. And also we can see more than just the top of your head. So, I mean, we've come on leaps and bounds, really. Are, we've come on a long way, Sherry. So how are you doing anyway, Sherry? How's your, uh, your week panning out so far? Uh, it's been quite normal, really. I've worked a lot. So I've not been anywhere that anything could go wrong. 
Aldi was quite calm. No followers in there this no, week, Sherry. weird has gone on. I think I've, I've hit my peak now. I'm just famous enough. No one else is trying to find me. I need to up my game. Nothing from Ant and Deck yet. It's a bit worrying. Have you not? Saturday night takeaway starting soon, though, so perhaps I could get on that. I'm sure that it's the calm before the storm. So what's Bugsy got planned for you for Valentine's Day? There is no plans. It's worse than the birthday. Oh, no. How can it be worse than the birthday? In a competition, there was a competition. I did Love Blossom for you at Reese Heath, and we got married there nearly 18 years ago. For the listeners, Reese Heath is an agricultural college. Yeah. And so it could basically be, did you meet your partner there? Because obviously it's a college. You know, you might have met your student, love of your life or whatever, whatever. Anything to do with that theme at that place. So we got married there. Like you do, yeah. when you're not from a farming family or anything. Well, it, it, was all, it was all about finding a place that we could cram 300 guests into. It was nothing to do with being a farm. You know when you know everyone when you're as popular as I am and you empty the town... You have to have somewhere that caters. You've got about 200 family. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have enough people to fill a front row of family fortunes, let alone 300 people. I'm not the kind of person who likes to turn people away. So I was like, yeah, everyone can come. We need a place that big. Just before we got married, you know, obviously my son Reef is 17 now. I'd had him 13 days earlier, rushed into hospital, emergency cesarean. So he was born prem. So it was all very traumatic and we nearly didn't get married. So I basically wrote in the story of our wedding day of how, you know, it was all booked and paid for, horse and carriage, all of that, 300 guests. And then I should have been six months pregnant at the wedding, then wasn't pregnant because I got rushed into hospital 13 days before. Reef was on a life support machine at the time. So obviously we were like, oh my God, the wedding's not even going to go ahead. So it did end up going ahead because the hospital said to us, there's nothing you can do anyway. So even if you stand there at the side of the life support machine, there's nothing you can do. Wedding went ahead. I wrote the story <laughs> to the competition of our wedding day, you know, from it was all booked and all lovely and going to be a dream wedding. Then we weren't getting married. Then we were. To cut a long story short, I've won the competition. Out of 50-odd entries, they picked my story as the winner. And the prize was a romantic afternoon tea on Valentine weekend for you and your partner. Flowers, Prosecco, all of that. Martin won't go because afternoon tea is not his thing. And his parting words were, you might like the limelight, but I don't. Oh, dear. Well, to be oh, honest, dear. an afternoon tea for a front row prop, I mean, that's a snack. I wouldn't be particularly impressed I think by that's that. what it is. He just doesn't want to share the tuna butties. So anyway, I'm taking my best friend, Carol. She's not the one that pissed herself at the pool, was she? No, that's Maggie. I can't take Maggie anywhere. She's a bit leaky. So anyway, I'm still going, but there's not going to be much romance there because I'm going with one of my best friends. I thought, you know, I'm on to a winner here, Valentine's weekend. Afternoon tea, Prosecco, flowers, the whole works. No, we don't need to shell out because I've won it. And it's not his thing. He will not go, thank you very much. So I am taking my friend. So what is his thing, Sherry? I don't know. Not afternoon tea. He doesn't drink tea for one. He doesn't drink Prosecco either. But he doesn't like... Not for you. Because he's six foot eight and stands out enough in life, he's sick of people going, oh my God, you're tall, aren't you? He's had it forever, as you can imagine. I can't see how afternoon well, tea. He wasn't born at six foot eight, was he? I mean, that'd just be weird. <laughs> well, they weren't going to like video you both having afternoon tea, were I'll they? I'll be able to report back <laughs> on the next episode. Maybe something major is going on. Maybe Granada reports might be there. Maybe Ant and Deck are going to be waiting for me. That'd be cool. But anyway, yeah. So that's how my Valentine weekend is going. It's going well, maybe, but it's going with my best friend. Or maybe Martin's just tricking you here. And actually, yeah, he's, he's going to actually be there. be there. 
Maybe in renewal of vows, and I don't know it. Renewal of vows with <laughs> the same 300 people. You might have mentioned it to you six weeks ago, but it might be one of those things that you're blocking out, Sherry. Yeah, it could yeah. be. You're yeah. quite good at that. Yeah, like the house move. Yeah, so it's all good, but, you know, it's not going to be the conventional time. You don't know. After the afternoon tea, when I come back, all the better for the Prosecco. It could, you know, turn up. Who knows? Go either way. Do you remember that time, Sherry, where you uh, stole Prosecco from other players? And oh, yeah, that was funny. To... Oh, that was at the softball. When you had to cycle home. I had to escort you cycling home because you were like a liability. You took your own child out. Literally KO'd your own child on a bike. That was the softball, wasn't there, at yeah. the rugby club? But we allocated so many bottles per team. You kicked the shit out of my shins because I was being honest and you basically floored me um, because I was about to say... Oh, yeah, you go to the table and go, have you had your Prosecco yet? Who says yes to that? Who? (laughs) Joyce, that's her. Are you okay? Are you okay? If she asks you if you've had your Prosecco yet, you always say no. And I kept going and just getting two more and saying, no, we've not had it yet. Then Joyce went, oh, yeah, we've had ours. That's someone else's. So then he had to resort to actually stealing it off other people's tables. cricket tournament? Yeah, that, that was, was funny, the cricket that. thing. It was yeah. really good. It was a good laugh. It was like on a summer evening. But yeah, I was yeah. cycling home and it didn't end very well after about six bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> to oh be fair, God. though, every time I had a bottle of Prosecco, I hit the ball further, didn't I? To be fair, you did have a good hit on your shares. Yeah, but that was after the Prosecco. The more I drank, the better the hits got. Do you remember that time when we played rounders or some form of softball at a barbecue once? And some bright spot thought it'd be a good idea to turn it into full contact. Remember this? <laughs> and there was this lad. Do you remember this? And one of the no. coaches, Adam, who's, who's now married to one of the players, Simone. He's a very athletic guy, good rugby player, but he's quite small, isn't he? I remember him hitting the ball and then setting off for first base. And Fuchsia. Oh, God. Um, do you remember oh, this? Jesus. She went for him, missed the first tackle, but managed to grab him by the hood of his hoodie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is his head still attached? Proceeded to, to swing him round. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his head hit the ground first, followed by oh the rest of his face. Sounds like something from Dancing on Ice. It was. It was exactly that. And rather than check to see if he was okay, she just went in for a bit more pounding just to make sure he was down. Was like, <laughs> just to make sure he wasn't going to come and try and score another rounder. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, Sherry, we know we talked about that having a section in Shed Says. We use your infinite wisdom as an agony aunt. So I put a few feelers out to the millions of listeners to see whether they had any letters that they could write in for you. And there's one here. So I'll read it to you now. Oh, no. So, Am I gonna dear Shed Says. Is it the one who calls me sugar tits? No, it isn't. <laughs> so it says, dear Shed, loving your work. We know you're madly in love with Jamie Roberts. Is it off Jamie? And it's only a matter of... It's not from Jamie, I'm afraid, no. We know you're madly in love with Jamie Roberts. It's only a matter of time before you end up in the jungle with him. With Valentine's Day coming up, after you've won him over with your feminine charms and introduced him to the dogging communities of South Cheshire, how would you spend that day with him? Susan from Watchford Vixen. Susan, that's you, isn't it, Joyce? No, no, I was Hyacinth. What's the scene like? Is he already with me in the car? So he managed to seduce him in the jungles. This is your first Valentine's Day together. I think we'd probably head to Bathpool Park in Kidsgrove. There's a nice little car park there, a bit of a picnic, you know, a few snacks. Double car bit. Bit of energy. It, will you be taking four paracetamol as well, just in case, you know? Probably we'll have to up to Neurofen that day. Paracetamol won't be strong enough. But I'll make sure I've got Voltarol on my elbows and knees before I leave the house because that will have already kicked in by then. 
You might need those fruit pastels for the GNEM shares. You don't want to wait till you get there. You need it to already have penetrated you before you arrive. <laughs> so with, then the we probably go with the Volter on. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Joyce, don't lower the tone. Don't know if you know this, but I work at a school. <laughs> just the tip. Just the tip. Then, just the tip. <laughs> And then there's those little bits of exercise machinery around the lake, you know, like at Crew Park. Yeah. Perhaps take him for a walk around the lake to stretch him out a bit. You know, there's <laughs> the skiing one, a bit of that. Maybe a dip. It's a bit sewerage at the other end, but he, we've just come from the jungle. That won't matter. And then as dusk appears, then the light flashing will start. Bongella and Sudacrem will be in abundance. Wait for the others to appear. But mind you, you've got to be a bit careful there because that's where that Leslie Whittle got taken by the Black Panther. And that's how they caught him by flashing lights. That could be the incorrect venue. (laughs) So, Sherry, hold on a minute. Your first Valentine's Day with Jamie Roberts (laughs) and you're taking him dogging. Yeah, well, Matt asked me to. Can I just come in? I love that you have actually no idea this was a question that you were going to get. And this has just fired straight from your hip. Now, I don't know whether I'm more scared. It wasn't my hip. Your loins. Your loins. It just rolls out. I have a very vivid imagination. You've got to incorporate a bit of what he likes, which is exercise. More like sexercise, right? <laughs> I mean, what snacks are you going to take? You know? Probably chicken, I reckon. Oh, okay. Yeah, good mm. protein. Yeah. Yeah, fruit pastels. They're always obviously the journey. <laughs> Maybe a breadstick or seven. <laughs> Probably a marrow. Well, Isn't it dry then though? You've got to have some lubricant if you're having that many. Yeah, that's breadstick. why where the marrow comes in. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else after the dogging? <laughs> Maybe a little romantic drive back to Nantwich and Maybe a little sit down around the lake, something like that, to chat about events. Finish off with a cream tea, maybe an Irish coffee. Sounds delightful. <laughs> Do you want to come? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. There you go, Jamie, if you're listening. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. I think that's good. A little icebreaker, you know, a bit of a picnic, a bit of exercise. What are you having yeah. in the picnic? A bit of chicken? <sighs> no. Chicken breadstick? Nothing greasy. It's going to have to be something quick. Probably buy pre-back sandwiches. M&S, obviously. I won't be going Aldi that day. I'm going to have to open my game. There'll be no 75% off stickers happening on that day. Maybe 30, not 75. That's taking the mick. But to be honest with you, if, if I've just won I'm a Celebrity, I'll be rolling in it anyway. So I'll probably have caterers throwing themselves at me. You could have a driver as well to get you there. You could buy that taxi. That's yeah, that's a oh, good idea. The fake taxi is for sale. It served its yeah. purpose, apparently. Be able to afford more flannels as well. You need them after that night, I tell you. And it'll need reupholstering, though. I reckon leather this time. It's easier to wipe down. How about you, Joyce? This is our first Valentine's with a new man, isn't it? Yeah, I don't do Valentine's. It's or very men. materialistic. Or, or men. <laughs> what? Are <laughs> 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 the straightest player on the team? What, straighter than me? Well, no, maybe not. No. No, if you're no. referring to the under-the-wife incident again, let's not go there. That was absolutely not well, my fault. Not, no. I was kind of put off it because um, I got married on the 9th of February. Not, that I, not now, not to the new man, obviously, previous. <laughs> and then it was Valentine's Day. And then on subtle drop of me, it's my birthday two days later. So, yeah, I never really did Valentine's Day. I just find it very commercial. You shouldn't need a day to express your love for somebody, really, should you? Do you know the kind of people that say that are the kind of people that have completely forgotten about it, haven't made any plans? 
Yeah, I'm now frankly Googling what to get for first Valentine. I know, I could get him a dog-in experience with Sherry. You could buy him the fake taxi. <laughs> That's currently on eBay. Do you know, he listens to this. I'm, he's not. I don't think he's quite got over the fruit pastel story yet. Has he watched fake taxi? <laughs> I haven't asked that he question. Well, if he listens to this, he'll surely be curious as to what it is. Get it on. That could start your whole Valentine's off. I think if he's got to his age and hasn't watched Fake Taxi, I'm going to be slightly worried. Even my kids told me that they'd watched Fake Taxi when they saw Blue's sticker. (laughs) Your fault, Reid, your fault. It's educated most of Nantwich, if we're honest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Lowering the tone again. To be fair, Jez, your van's the perfect vehicle. It is, yeah. It's a memory foam dog bed in the back. Lots (laughs) of screen wash. Oh, my van or Sherry's van? Mine. Sherry's van. It's got you got oh, the privacy glass as well, haven't you? Extra long wheelbase, highly yeah. lubricated tow bar. Highly <laughs> lubricated tow bar. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, did you not hear the story about her friend, the old lady that fell on the tow bar? That was a terrible incident. Took her months to get over. Yeah. Worse than a broken hip. She <laughs> broke a hip as well. Oh no, Sarah Marge. Is that actually a true story? Well, she reversed into the tow bar. <laughs> what on foot? Yes. Well, maybe she lowered herself onto the tow bar. I'm not at liberty to say any more than that, but she now has to have one of those inflatable cushions. <laughs> a donut. And I'm not talking from chat wins. No matter Valterol eases yeah. that pain, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, she uses her anusol for the grapes. So ridiculous. You're not going to publish this stuff, are you? I mean, this cannot go I work out. at a school. Have I mentioned? Sherry, you've worked at a school the whole time we've done Shez Says. It's not stopped you before. This has gone after the watershed. (laughs) This is an after 10pm job. East Dorset Dockers, they haven't responded to our latest offer of a T-shirt in exchange for one of their shirts, Shez. They have. I've seen it on there. They said that's a deal if I've ever seen one. Yeah, they did, Matt. Right, so East Dorset Dockers, send us your address. We'll package up the T-shirt. We'll throw in a signed photo, as Shez says. And a cucumber. And a cucumber. <laughs> and some fry light. And we've also got some a few bits and bobs you can have locking around the clubhouse as well. A couple of half-empty tubes of deep heat. Maybe a Skipton shirt if Joyce ever gives it back. So we'll get that over to Sleep you. in that every night, I do. I bet you do. Yeah. That'll need a boil wash. Has it been washed since? <laughs> no. <laughs> More than a boil wash. I don't have any sense of smell, so goodness knows what it smells like now. Is it yeah. not stiff? <laughs> It takes a little time to get my arms through the holes, yeah. But, a bit yeah. crispy. Well, only at the bottom. Have you had the spray starch on it? No, I haven't washed it to starch it. <laughs> I feel that might have been the, the clincher for the meaning man, really, was me uh, stolen skipped and top, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby is hard enough without your equipment letting you down. From badly fitting shirts to shorts that cut off your circulation, many sportswear manufacturers haven't worked out how to make kit that fits for the rich variety of women's shapes and sizes. After years of development, feedback and research, Halbro have done what many bigger sportswear brands have yet to achieve, designed a playing kit specifically to fit the female form. With curves in all the right places, four-way stretch, and a cut to suit all shapes and sizes, Halborough are uniquely placed to give your team the shirts they deserve. For more information, contact Fergus at Halborough.com. To learn more about what Halborough can do for you, and to see some amazing case studies, visit www.halborough.com forward slash women's hyphen rugby. And don't forget to mention Grassroots.
Six Nations special. So now we did the Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a, a, a Fantasy Six Nations team made up of famous people from the Six Nations. So we can have a maximum of four from each country in the team. Is that right? That was right, isn't it? Yeah, six times four. Yeah. Four. yeah. So for example, you might want to have Shirley Bassey in there somewhere because she's Welsh. Ah, I see. see. Okay, we're sticking with females. No, all male, either. Oh, you know, two, two famous French. Scottish women. One of them <laughs> yeah. the, pre- the Prime Minister, and the other one's J.K. Rowling, who we're not supposed to talk about, apparently. She's not Scottish, is she? Yeah, she's Scottish. I thought she was from London. No, she's from Scotland. Well, I've done quite a lot of research. <laughs> like, I have nothing else to do this afternoon, so if I'll go first. So, I thought, first of all, from England. I'm going to go for Kate Middleton, a.k.a. the Duchess of Cambridge. Considering her recent appointment as patron of England rugby. So, yeah, and I thought she'd be ace. But uh, she's a little bit too pretty to be in the forwards. So I thought she might just go on the wing. <laughs> but take a, have a debut in, in line-outs because she's very light and probably got a very good jump on her. And also, from the um, pictures that are all over social media and in the news and everything... Yeah, she likes a bit of a line-out. I also think like for line-outs, good for publicity, isn't it? It's just really easy to take good photos at line-outs because people get up really high and it's good for the publicity. But also, like, hasn't she proven to be quite handy at rugby? She can throw a decent pass, can't she? But she's thrown a better pass than a lot of players that I've seen over the years. She's very sporty anyway, and she's a naturally gifted sportswoman, apparently. Are we running the risk, though, of ending up in, locked in the Tower of London because she could get broken in the first tackle and we've, like, ruined the airline to the throne? Yeah, well, I'm sure there can be a replacement. Well, she's not in line to the throne, technically. She's the Queen Consort. No, that's um, Camilla. No, but she'd be the Queen Consort when um, William is uh, king. She's not just Queen? Yeah, same as Camilla. No, she'd be the Queen Consort, which is... Uh, How'd you become Queen, then? Wife of King. You're the firstborn female heir. So you can't just marry a king? No, be a queen consort, like, like the queen's mother was. Damn it. Well, there you go. <laughs> She's already produced. She's got three kids if she dies anyway. None of us could ever become king or queen. That's disappointing. I always held a fate. Yeah, I'm very it. disappointed, Matt. Good shout. For Ireland, I was going to go for a leprechaun, but I thought better of it. And... <laughs> Scrum half, yeah. Clearly scrum half. Or open side flanker. I went for a different scrum half. I went for... Rachel Blackmore. You will have heard of her when I actually explain what she is. She's an Irish jockey who competes in national hunt racing. But last year in 2021, she was the first female jockey to win the Grand National. She's also only five foot four. So that's perfect height for a scrum half, I reckon. And she's probably nails because if you're working with horses, you've got fairly tough. Yeah. Probably That's getting beaten up by horses. You're probably getting chucked off loads. So she's probably used to the contact. So I think she'd be a brilliant scrum half. I like it. And then for Wales, I thought Vanessa Shanessa Jenkins, a.k.a. Nessa from Gavin and Stacey. Yes. <laughs> solid. Gave her her full title. That's a solid um, choice, that. You know, she could be for front row. She could be number eight. I mean, I, think eight. I, don't, I don't think there's any more explanation required she'd just kill people (laughs) oh yeah what's the care she'd be good on the social as well wouldn't she she'd be the person she'd be the poo in the pocket person she'd be the one producing 
the goods for the pockets. So you're saying that Lou reminds you of Ness? No. Where'd oh, you get that from? Because she's obsessed with poo in the pocket. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with it. She's the messenger. Me. She didn't say she was actually the architect of it. She was just telling the story. I'm yeah. saying Nessa would be right in there. She'd also be good at as being a, a team court bailiff, wouldn't she? Oh, my God. No one would get out unscathed. No, they wouldn't. You'd be in big trouble, basically. You'd be in big trouble. <laughs> then, for Scotland, a bit of a serious one, I thought I'd go for Dame Catherine Granger. She's a Scottish rower. She's a five Olympic gold medalist. She's got a CBE, MBE, DBE, whatever else BE. She got a um, DBS. <laughs> yeah, DBS, CPS, whatever. <laughs> yeah. CLB. But she's super fit. Obviously, she's a she's re- massively well. dedicated. Yeah, all right. Calm down. Man. Yeah, I didn't think that. <laughs> she's ripped. All right. Well. Yeah, I think she'd be a very, very good flanker. Italy, I'm going for the Godfather. The Godfather himself. Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Do we actually know what his real name is? Something Corleone. Don Vito Corleone. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Isn't he a bit? He's not very in great health, though, is he? The Don. He's been shot a few times. He's breathing. Well, not let's brilliant. let's go to the Godfather Part One. That sort of era. Yeah. Maybe have him as like team manager. He'd be a good team manager. Oh yeah. Ooh, actually. Right. And my pièce de résistance. France. I'm going for Sebastian Chabal. He's actually a rugby player. Can't have him. Well, I can. I can have him if I want. He's a retired rugby player. The caveman. I want I want him in my team. You want the caveman in your team. So you want an actual yeah. rugby player in a team of non-rugby players? Yeah, All right. definitely. <laughs> what do you reckon, Jodie? Is that allowed? Yeah. She's just Googling who Sebastian I'm just like Googling <laughs> famous Italian people. He's rugby's hardest ever hitter. Honestly, no, when isn't. I was playing rugby, I hey, no, he isn't. He just oh looked, my god, he, he just looks like he is. Have you watched any videos of him tackling? Yes, I would actually say fifty percent of them are probably nowadays illegal. He does very, very good dump tackle, but yeah. he's just a beast. He's a bit of a beast, Sebastian Chabelle. Like it, yeah. Good. So that's my six, Jody. Okay, so this is going to be literally quick thinking. Whatever comes to my head. So, I was Googling Italian, famous Italian people because I don't know any. I'm torn now between what I do know, which is Gino De Campo, Mario, or Leonardo Mario, De as in Mario, like as plumber. in the Mario Kart guy. Yeah, the plumber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any of the Italians because the Pope isn't even Italian. Well, he's pretty resilient, Mario, isn't he? He gets smashed around a lot and still manages to get yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, Mario, after he's had the big mushroom. <laughs> Not just basic Mario, but big Mario. Big Mario, yeah. <laughs> Not micro Mario. Although micro Mario would be pretty good, wouldn't he, for like running through. Also, there's fire Mario, which would be good for a winger. Yeah. Yeah, fire oh. Mario would be winger. Well, Gino yeah. could um, also double up as doing the after-match food. Catering. Yeah. yeah. He could do the half-time snacks, couldn't he? I'd like to see Mario, I think. I think Mario Plummer, yeah, would be a decent player. Where would you play him, though? What, what position? Wing. Because you already got to come Mario winger. Fire, wing. On fire, yeah. It'd be quite funny watching somebody try to tackle it, wouldn't it? They try to tackle it and then they just end up a scorched corpse by the side of the pit. No, actually, he can go on the bench and then depending on what areas we need, like sort of improvement on, depends on what we feed him. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Utility player. Given the big mushroom just before he goes on for a big scrum or a crash ball. Yeah, exactly. France is, I'm thinking, Joan of Arc. She's quite a fiery character, Joan of Arc, wasn't she? <laughs> Matt. 
For the love of God. You've got an incendiary personality. Oh, stop. <laughs> Is that a dad joke? On the pitch, she'd be on fire. She would. <laughs> Jeez. God, what's your justification, Jodie? She's the only French person I can think of at the top of my head. Who's female. First one that came up on Google, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very religious. No. So she's strong. She led an army at 14, I think. Yeah, Joan of Arc. I think that's a solid pick. She was the hardest now, the French-Italian ones. So we'll move from that. Wales, I'm going to go with the dragon. An actual dragon? The one that's on the flag. The Welsh dragon, obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you going to play this dragon? <laughs> Do you need any other players just, just to have the dragon? No, it could be before the match. You know, when they're doing all the anthems and stuff, you can have the dragon actually breathing fire like they do at the beginning of yeah. the match. Yeah. Mascot. I like it. I'm not sure it's safe to play him on the pitch. Tom Jones. Michael Sheen. Yeah? He is in a lot of movies. Friends with David Tennant. He's a very good actor. Yeah. He does a lot of impressions. He'd be good for long bus journeys. He played Chris Tarrant in that um, documentary thing about cheating and the, who wants to be a millionaire. He did. Ooh. He did. He's very versatile. He's renowned for having a good range of impressions and voices he can do. And he likes his rugby. Oh, I'm going off that. David Tennant for Scotland, just because yeah. he's like my man crush. He's, a, he's quite slight though, isn't he? He needs a bit of bulking out, really. Yeah, give him a bit more haggis. Just get Junior yeah. DeCampo to knock up some haggis before the match. <laughs> give him a big mushroom. Put a bit of truffle in it. Yeah, a big giant yeah. mushroom. I can't have any more mythical creatures, can I? Um, Ireland and England you've got left. Yeah. England, I'm going to go with... They have to be real people or can they be characters? And you tried to pick a Welsh dragon that doesn't even exist, even in folklore. Let's just sidetrack a second. Dragons are real. If you're talking about the Komodo dragon. No, no, actual dragons. So, right, I have a theory that dragons are real. I'll give you some reasons why. If you look at the Chinese calendar, the New Year's calendar, yeah. every animal in there is a real animal, bar the dragon, apparently. Why would they pick one mythical creature? I think the dragons were dinosaurs. We found the remains of them. I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, you're probably right. Dragons. I think they were dragons. I don't think they breathed fire, but I thought there's flying dinosaurs. There was pterodactyls, so why can't there be dragons? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think they probably found the skeletons or the fossils of dinosaurs. It was kind of oral history passed down from the cavemen, perhaps. Well, they weren't really dinosaurs when the cavemen were alive, were they? I'm about 50 million years out, I think. Maybe 250 million years up. Yeah, dragons never are really dedicated that much thought to the subject. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think, like, unicorns, I don't think are real. Maybe they are, I don't know. Leprechauns, no, but dragons are real. Why would they appear so often in stories of different countries? It's on two flags the flag of Bhutan and the flag of Wales. Weird. You have no other mythical creature on any flags. You have bears. Like Googling that. I need to look that Google up. Now. It. I'm Google sure it. there is. But there's also mythical creatures that are kind of similar. So Norwegians like their trolls, don't they? And obviously the Irish have got the leprechauns. Phoenix. You've got um Double tailed lion. Unicorn. Druk. What's a druk? A drunk duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your England left. Island. Ashling B. The comedian. Yeah, she'd be good. She's very funny. I reckon she'd be in the back somewhere. No, seven. Why? Feisty. Yeah. Aggressive. Death wish. Yeah. Irish. And England. Why is England the hardest? Why have I left it to last? Sean Brown. Yeah, why not? You both pick some like real rugby players. Yeah, and some uh, mythical creatures. Mine is a mythical creature, pretty much. <laughs> I think we need to do just a whole episode just about mythical creatures. 
I'd like to see a dragon, a Sasquatch, and a what else in the front row? Bigfoot. I'll go well in the front row with a Sasquatch and a dragon. Yeti. Bigfoot is a Sasquatch. Oh, Yeti. That's like an abominable. A Yeti. Sasquatch. That's the same thing. So Yeti. No, it's Bigfoot. not. It's a different culture. They're the same thing, aren't they? Yeti, Sasquatch. But it's the same principle, an oversized hairy man. That's like saying a mammoth is the same as an elephant. No, it's not. They're different continents. <laughs> a Sasquatch is Bigfoot in Canada. My picks. Well, well I want to bring some musical love to the team, basically. Right. So I want to go. go with Luciano Pavarotti in the front row. <laughs> okay, he could do the anthem. And then I want to have right? then the Go Compare Man. Yeah, also, he's also good. He's Welsh. He's a good singer. Yeah. And then my third one is Adele. I mean, we might have to carb her up a bit because she's she's, <laughs> she's lost, lost a bit of timber recently, weight. so we might have to get her on the, the Mario diet with the giant mushroom. That would be my perfect front row. She's got musical genius. Keeps all entertained. They like the rugby as well. I'm not sure about Pavarotti, but the other two do. So I've got to have Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon's got to be in there, hasn't she? Because she's slightly angry. I think you need a bit of anger somewhere she's on the pitch. She's small, angry, and she's ginger. Right, exactly. There's a lot of important things that you need on a rugby pitch. Then for Ireland, I can't see past Father Ted, oh, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd have him as coach. He's a bit of a wheeler dealer, isn't he? No, he's just a foul-mouthed, drunken idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I think Father Ted, as coach, he's going to like think of some interesting interpretations of the laws, isn't he? And he's just generally going to try and cut corners to win. I think that'd be good fun. And then I feel for France, it's got to be Gérard Depardieu, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Purely because I just like the idea of the commentator having to say his name repeatedly. So I put him at 10. Because <laughs> I just think I just like after it. a while, it would annoy the hell out of anyone commentating having to say that over and over again. And he's also quite a big lad. Likes his wine as well. This is Grassroots News with Lou. The big news that Kate Middleton, aka Duchess of Cambridge, has been appointed as the patron of England rugby. A few saucy little pics of her at Twickenham doing a scrum with Jamie George and a, another prop and doing a bit of a, a line out with some of the female rugby players. Yeah, so it's a really good appointment, actually, I think, and um, really nice that they've appointed a woman. That's the big news. Is there um, a bit of a conflict of interest there, though? Because isn't William patron of the Welsh Rugby Union? Yeah, and hasn't she just actually taken over the England patronage from the other brother? Harry. Harry. You've got to be a bit pissed, haven't you? Princess Anne also supports the Scottish rugby as well. Yeah, it's nice. News from the Women's Rugby Network. So, just a bit more grassroots news, really. But on Saturday, Southend Rugby Club achieved a first in their 150-year history. The ladies' teams, the Saints, played in a doubleheader with the men's first 15, the Saxons. Also, for the first time in their history, the match programme featured a female player on the front and equal coverage inside. So, it was a brilliant day for all involved. Um, well done, Southend RFC. And there's a picture of that on the Women's Rugby Network. I think that's an emerging 
theme coming through with rugby clubs where the women's teams are becoming successful or breaking boundaries of being featured in the match day magazines and stuff and also almost and some cases definitely being equal to the men's first team so I thought that was really really nice to see and my third piece of news is for all all the millions of rugby players that listen to the pod you'll all be very aware that it's my very favourite time of the rugby season, there's lots of mud. Yeah, there's lots and lots of mud at the rugby clubs. The pitches are starting to look more brown than green, but there's lots and lots of pictures of people doing mud slides and all sorts of things like that, covered from head to toe in mud, like some of the iconic pictures that we've shared within our rugby club over the years. I actually really love this part of the season because when it's muddy, obviously the landing is a lot softer. (laughs) There's nothing better than a soft landing rather than playing in June or July when the ground is like concrete. And I think it's just a bit more fun when you get covered in mud. Groundsmen are starting to lose their shit and suggest that we all go and play on some AstroTurf somewhere. So, And also you're very, very aware that you're going to have to wash your kit as soon as you get home. Otherwise, if that stuff is left in your bag for more than a day, it's very bad times. And you're going to have to use some PPE to get it out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't pretend I like playing in the mud, it has to be said. Apart from the soft landing. Oh, God, I think it just makes everything a little bit more interesting. (laughs) No, I don't like it. You're not? (laughs) No. I don't like the fact that the ball just seems to stay in the middle and everybody just fights around it. Maybe I should have been a mud wrestler instead, really. That's my calling. There's still time. There's still time. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. Did we do the TikTok thing last week? I've not heard about that. Have you not? It's quite a big deal. Well, that is a big deal. So, yeah, it's a major sponsor. And it's what's really cool about it, it's encouraging loads and loads of women's teams and women's players to go onto TikTok and use it to sort of say, this is me, that I'm a rugby player and all this sort of stuff. So they're using the hashtag, I think it's like hashtag TikTok women's rugby or something like that. That's cool. I mean, but the likes of me or Sherry, it's never going to happen, is it? <laughs> I mean, Sherry's only just got Instagram. Could you imagine her trying to get bloody TikTok and work that? It's not going to happen. So I think it's a certain age of, <laughs> of rugby player. But I know my daughter goes on TikTok quite a bit. And if there was some rugby stuff that pops up there, women's rugby, she'd definitely see it. Does she want to be our media person then for TikTok? I think it's absolutely brilliant because. One of the big challenges the women's game has for growing is coverage, isn't it? And they're not going to easily get the big broadcasters to start doing loads of content. And besides, I think the nature of the content is different anyway. Getting teenage girls to sit down and watch 80 minutes of rugby, I think, is a big ask when they've never seen it before. Getting them to play 80 minutes of rugby is a big ask. (laughs) Never mind, watch it. Grace played about 10 minutes on Sunday and then she'd... Had enough. With TikTok, because it's a very different medium, isn't it? And it's all about user-created content. She could watch that for 80 hours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What I like about it is it's a really nice way of creating a community in a medium that is quite creative and doesn't rely on people to go down their club and, you know... Do all the kind of stuff that we we want everybody to do. Go, you pitch up and play, and go and sign up with a local club, and go and learn all about rugby. I think it's a big ask for a lot of people, but just becoming more aware of it as a sport, and more importantly, more aware of the different people that are involved in the sport. I think it's really key. So I think 
as we said before, a big barrier for women's rugby is people just thinking it's not for them. Oh, I'm not a rugby player. That's for somebody else. Whereas if TikTok is going to be able to bring that to life a bit more in a medium that's heavily used by the right demographic, then it can only be a good thing. Not to mention the money going into the game as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Look, TikTok has its place. And in a lot of instances, I don't think it's brilliant. But if it could do this good thing, then that's kind of a bit of yin and yang, isn't it? Totally. So whilst it pains me to give a grassroots salute to TikTok. Yeah, it also pains me a little bit as well. (laughs) We'll go with that. We'll go with TikTok for grassroots salute. And now we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Nicole Bell, crew in Nantwich ladies, knee to the head. Squeaks, Stafford ladies, dislocated and fractured ankle a long, long time ago. Lil Chain, Stourbridge Panthers, poorly finger. Alan Savage, Boness Rhinos, poorly knee and bad case of Skyvitis. Jody Hind, Pod Crew, missed training due to lost keys, twice. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the muds condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. of building a team I thought getting the right coach is a good step number two isn't it mm. especially for so I think if you get that well. right it works if you get it wrong it fails I think it's that binary actually do you think it's that straight cut yeah I do if you get the wrong coach it'll just die of either a very fast or a very slow drawn out death won't it? Whereas if you get the right coach, he's, he gets women's rugby, drives it, builds it, supports it, then it's got a much better chance of success. But the question I've got for you guys is what does the right coach look like? Present oh, company six, excluded, of course. About six foot four, uh, tall, dark, handsome. Yeah, apart from that. Uh, tight buns. <laughs> guns. Buns and guns. Buns and uh, guns. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not that. As someone who's really enthusiastic, committed to women's rugby someone who's actually available <laughs> that's a good point actually because i think that counts for a lot but actually if you have a coach that can't make certain weeks or sends a, somebody else to coach when they're not available or pitches up late or leaves early or whatever it's a big ask isn't it because coaching on the main and and certainly within grassroots is a freebie right so you've got to have somebody a coach who is keen knows the rules available 
and willing to actually dedicate their time. You might be training twice a week and playing once a week. Plus, there's all sorts of communications you've got to do. There'll be WhatsApp groups, there'll be team meetings, there'll be coaches meetings. It's a big ask. So whoever you pick for your coach has got to be in it full on. Totally agree. And I think just to extend on that as well, Lou, I think they have to be in it for the long run as well. Because I think what often happens is they'll do a year and then think, oh, you know what, those Sunday afternoons on the M6, getting home late, it's a pain in the butt. I've only got half a team. It's a massive nightmare trying to get 15 out on a Saturday or on a Sunday rather. And they just quit after 12 months. And then the team will have to go and find a new coach. Or they try and coach themselves for a bit. Or they just get somebody to help out from the men's section, which we've had to do a couple of times. And that's when things start to really die. You need somebody that's going to coach the team and grow with that team for, I'd say, a minimum of three years. Certainly two seasons minimum, I'd say. Do you think some coaches use women's rugby as a stepping stone? Yeah. I to do. go on to better coaching positions? In my experience, there's three types of coach. They're the ones that just want to stay in the game because they can't play anymore. They're the ones that really want to be a coach and enjoy coaching. And then they're the ambitious ones, the third group. The ambitious ones, in women's rugby, there is a shorter route to top coaching than there is in men's rugby. So if you think at our level, if I'd suddenly decided that I wanted to coach a premiership team, it's only a couple of coaching jumps away. Yeah, you know, If I go true. and coach a next season at championship one level, hopefully they'll put me through my level level three or whatever and then a couple of seasons doing that then i'm newest damn it qualified to coach premiership whereas if men's rugby if i started at crew and answer then i mean i'd be dead by the time i qualified to coach <laughs> international <laughs> rugby there's <laughs> <laughs> so many layers so many wrong yeah <laughs> so i think that's the case i think the ones the ones to avoid probably are the ones who just want to stay in the game a little bit isn't that yourself a little bit, but I actually really loved coaching after yeah. not very long. Yeah. So it's more of an amalgamation of different characters of yeah. the pie chart. Almost, yeah, definitely. But I, yeah, I initially started to stay in the game. It didn't take me long to actually really enjoy the coaching process and actually enjoy being around other coaches as well. But there was definitely some coaches I've met and, and actually some I did my coaching training with that they were not natural communicators, not very good at think coming up with creative ideas but they just love rugby and i think they would really struggle with a group of inexperienced players it's my, it's my gut feel and you see them in the minis and juniors don't you actually i mean there's, there's there's plenty in the minis and juniors that that really aren't great coaches but they're helping out because their kids are playing or whatever and when you, and the game them, needs that. oh no the game needs it crikey it's really important but are they going to bring new coaching ideas and keep a team together and grow that team i, I don't know sometimes really I think it's important to have a mixture or an all-rounded person. So someone who's forwards-based and someone who's backs-based or someone who can give a rounded picture of forwards and backs because once you've got your team established, you'll realise you've naturally got some players who are definitely going to be forwards and some that are definitely backs. And you need someone specialist in both those areas to be able to hone those skills if you were coaching, you've always played in the backs and that's pretty much all you know, it would be a bit crazy to be asking you to coach 
a, a scrum or a liner. Yeah, for example. it's really hard. It's really hard. You know? I, I really struggle with it. You can do all the research. You can look at all the YouTube, whatever's. But the best way to coach that sort of thing is to have experience in it. Yeah. How about you, from your perspective, Jodie? We talked a little bit about ages ago about how important it is to trust your coach and to feel comfortable in their presence. And I know that's something that you've struggled with in the past. Coaching is very male dominated. There's hardly any women that are in the coaching sort of profession. So 80%, nine out of 10 coaches we've had in the whole career and Antwich history have been male. And I struggle to trust men straight away. I feel intimidated by them. So it takes a while for me to feel like I can trust them. I don't feel intimidated or told off. Like there's sort of like a dominant of me and I don't feel comfortable around them. I can't feel natural around them. So that takes a few a few months. Like I only feel, started to feel comfortable around Sean and Josh in the last sort of six months, I think. So I actually feel like, okay, I can trust them. They're normal people and sort of respect them from there and have a laugh with them. Yeah, normal to a point. I think when you find out they're not normal, that's when they become less scary. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely not a one-person job. <laughs> that, that's 100%. If you're out there listening and you've got a coach, then you're going to struggle, or unless they're very, very good and very, very experienced. Or you've got a super small you, team. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. aren't even a full 15 yet. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you definitely need to have people that can help out, but not just help out occasionally, but are actually part of the coaching team. You know, you can assign them roles or whatever. But there's a number of reasons for that. One, because you need eyes in the back of your head when you're coaching a group of 25 people, let alone women. Everyone's whoa, working. Whoa, whoa, at- what? What? <laughs> let alone women? I <laughs> fuck off, Matt. Look, I'm getting to the what? point. Because we're is- like, like all over the place and no can't be trusted because yeah, of your hormones <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god <laughs> like what i mean is that thank your um, audience yeah yeah luckily i'll be charging the editing uh, <laughs> <laughs> no what i mean is because you're all working at different levels of experience and knowledge aren't you so if you just communicate one way at one level then you're going to leave some players behind or you're going to patronize other players right I guess what you're saying is that, so women's rugby is starting out a team is very different from men's rugby. Totally. As yeah. in, with the women's rugby team, you're going to have some experienced players, some total newbies, some women coming from other sports, and some women coming back from maybe an extended period of time out from rugby. That situation is very, very different from just going into coaching a men's team, where in the main, they've all played since they were six. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they all know the basics and they all know rugby and they've probably watched it on telly a lot or been down the club a lot. That said, though, I think a big problem in men's rugby is exactly that. I think that everyone assumes that you've been playing since you were six. And I think a lot of players that come back to rugby after a period of time out or maybe have only played a little bit when they were at school and want to do something to get fit that are ostracised by the kind of single swim culture. I've seen that happen myself when I've come back to playing after a period of time out when I've been training regularly. I remember a guy a few years back, he turned up and he hadn't played since he was in his teens and he just had kids and he was a bit unfit and really wanted to do something to get out of the house. He was thrown straight into a sort of murder ball session with, you know, 
so it's the first team we're playing against the bin juice and the bin juice's job was to just basically become human speed bumps um most of us could take it but like this lad never came back again do you know what i mean and i think a women's rugby wouldn't dare do that but i think what no but i like the idea <laughs> can we do that though yeah as long as i'm not the bin juice what's the bin juice <laughs> The Vinci. As the name also suggests. Yeah, the B team. Yeah. The dregs. The dregs, yeah. yeah. We mean it in a lovely way, obviously. I'm currently bin juice. Yeah, well, I've been juice for a long time. Going back to having more than one coach, I think it's really important to have a coach who can be a leader, can be quite visionary, can sort of set the pace and, I guess, the culture of the team. But it's really important to have a coach, I think, that's good at the kind of admin and the compliance bit as well. You very rarely find that person is the same person. You think when I was coaching you lot, Mark was making sure that the forms were filled in and the GMS was completed and the referee was booked and the, all of those things that I wouldn't even think about and would 100% forget to do. Then Nick was the visionary, the kind of leader, the, the guy that set the scene. And I was the guy that was saying to him, actually, but yeah, we've got to communicate this to a group of people that haven't maybe experienced this before. So you sort of need those checks and balances in the coaching group, I think. Definitely a full team required coach. Yeah. Don't forget that it can actually be fairly easy to coach women because we don't have, on the whole, a lot of sort of inherited or learned bad habits. So you're not trying to coach bad habits out of us. You're trying to coach just new habits and new ways of working together. I find that women listen as well better than men. Uh, depends if your name's Sherry or not. <laughs> She's always chatting at the back, distracting a few, normally me. Yeah, so we've both choice. missed what it is we're meant to be doing, and then we're both bin juice. <laughs> yeah, they listen better and they communicate, they feed back better, sometimes too much so. Mm. We like, ask questions if we don't get some, whereas men just yeah. go ahead and pretend they know what they're doing. I went through a phase of coming off the training park you know, we have a really good session and everyone was like, yeah, great session. Before I'd even got home, I had emails or text messages waiting from me from certain players saying, well, I didn't think that drill was very good. And I didn't think you explained that very well. I was like, Lou, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. All right, it's honesty and there's just being a, a moaning myrtle. Yeah, but don't you think the men are totally different? As in, they'll go down the pub and slag you off behind your back. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, and you'll hear about it on Facebook on a comment of the next yeah. team sheet that's put up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's important. But one thing you do find, you can tell the relatively new teams that have got a relatively inexperienced coach. When you train to be a coach, you're taught an RFU method, aren't you? And it's very much a process. If you've got loads of playing experience, then you can interpret that process and you can hone it and you can tweak it to to suit the team that you're playing with. If you haven't got that playing experience and you typically just use the RFU process, you'll go on their information resources websites and you'll go on the YouTube tutorials and this sort of stuff, which are great, but they don't always solve real life problems in real life situations on rugby pitches. They don't always solve Yeah, you can't always tie it into what might happen on the pitch. No, exactly. In a real life game situation. Yeah. So you often see teams, they look when they first turn up to be quite switched on and then when there's a game that's maybe not going according to plan from their end, or maybe there's some strange circumstances like bad weather or something, and they just totally fall apart. But they can do um, an Auckland Square really good in the world. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, the RFU don't tell you to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Having a coach that can look at the makeup of your team and teach you to play a way that fits the sum of those parts, I think is really, really good. That's one thing that 
certainly Nick, you know, when he was coaching with us, did brilliantly. He very much based every play around the sum of the parts, which I thought was just really important to do. Otherwise, you're constantly trying to get players to do things that are outside of their capabilities or you're restricting their capabilities in some respect. And actually, I just want to tie it into what Zoe Oldcroft said. I do see that a coach's job and the way their vision should be is to develop individuals, persons, super strengths and actually recognise what they can do best and maximise that. Totally. Definitely. Yeah, that's quite tough to do actually as a coach. It takes a long time to get to know people. It does totally. I think what's really useful actually is at least maybe once every half a season. So yeah, twice or maybe three times a season. So use a survey monkey or something and just do an anonymous survey. Just do a real temperature check because in men's rugby the players will soon tell you if they don't like you. If it's not working. Yeah, they'll soon they won't tell buy you. you a pint in the bar. <laughs> Women's players will give you feedback, but comes to the conclusion they need to change the coach or they need to f- a really big change in the way it's being run. They'll find it hard to come to that. In my experience, they'll find it hard to come to that conclusion or communicate that conclusion. They'll try and work with you and they'll try and help you improve and so on. There are times, I'm sure, in, in teams where they have to change. They have to have a difficult conversation about the coaching. And if you don't do it, you'll what will happen is the team will fall apart. This episode, we're bringing in a new segment called Knock On, Knock Off. And the idea is I'll give you a name of either a rugby club, a rugby team, or a rugby player associated with the women's rugby. You have to tell me if it's real, so that's a knock-on, or if I've made it up, that's a knock-off. You'll get one point if it's right, and if it is a real team or player or club, you have to tell me which country they're from for a bonus point. Today we'll start with three. Are you ready for the first one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep score. Right. Wigtownshire RFC. Is that a knock-on or a knock-off? Wigtownshire. Wigtownshire. Is that a knock-on? Knock-on. Go knock-on, Lou. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go knock-on as well. Knock-on. That is correct. Wigtownshire is a real rugby team. What country are they in for a bonus point? I'm going to say Scotland. I'm going to say England. Right, that's a bonus point to Matt. With Townshire, the second in the table in the Tenants West Region League. Nice. Interesting. Interesting. So that's two points to Matt and one to Lou so far. Second one is Opal Ontara RFC. Opal Ontara RFC. Is that a knock on or a knock off? Knock off. I'm going to say knock on. Okay. Opal Ontara is a brand of Vauxhall. It's a knockoff. <laughs> and finally, Los Pinos. Los Pinos. Los Pinos. Is knock that on. A knock on? That sounds like me after wild swimming, that does. <laughs> Los Pinos. Feel free to play at home Los as well. Penis. Are you done? I'm going to say knock on. Knock on from Matt. And what were you saying, Lynn? I said knock on. Knock on. So two knock ons for Los Pinos. It's a knock-on. Yes, it is. Yes. And for the bonus point, what country are they in? Mexico. Argentina. Bonus point to Matt. Yes. <laughs> Los Pinos is just on the outskirts of Buenos Aires and it's the name of the rugby club. Love it. Well, we that was fun. This. this is a great game. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to gradually escalate the randomness of it as well. Yeah, I just made I was like, how do I pick up a fake one? Like our Vauxhall brands, what have we got here? 
Boxels also sound like rugby teams from strange parts of the world. <laughs> to be fair, they're, they're probably as reliable as a rugby team as well. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Keir Sportage. The Keir Sportage RFC. RFC, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. And uh, please don't forget to vote for us in the Sports Podcast Awards at www.sportspodcastawards.com forward slash categories forward slash 13. Select grassroots and give us a vote we are currently languishing a miserable third behind the man the rugby and the rugby pod so if we need to harness the power of women's rugby to give us half a chance of winning look do you know what that's actually not a bad place to be they're mega those rugby pods so if you haven't voted if you're one of these people that says yeah i'll do that and then never get around to it now's the time to pull your finger out voting closes in a few weeks so we haven't got long don't forget also to give us a rating on apple podcasts or spotify if you're using those platforms we've almost erased the damage done by our good friend (laughs) karen one star review we've now up to 4.9 stars rather than the 4.8 that was caused by that one star review so assuming you like the pod uh, if you don't, then just fuck off. Uh, <laughs> in fact, if you don't, you shouldn't have got this far through the podcast. You turn it off by now. Please give us a vote on that as well. It really helps. Well, that takes us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All the details are in the show notes. Outstanding. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.